0: Please take your Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're continuing in our study on this book and we find ourselves today coming to a place last week where uh, God was speaking to the Apostle Paul to the people of, of reminding them about the second coming and uh, looking out for the Antichrist and reminding them that things are going to get higher, harder in their lives, not easier. And uh, again, we Find ourselves then continuing in this study where Paul begins to thank God for them. And part of the understanding is we need to thank God in all circumstances. Now, a lot of times we get thanking our parents and our teachers, uh, even thanking our friends, and we go through times where we write nice things to them, thank them for them. Um, But what about thanking God in the hard circumstances? That's a little different. Again, this is probably my sixth or seventh year that I will be called to jury duty tomorrow. Juror number one. Now still I think it's because I ticked off one of the judges, and so now I've been called every year. But how do I rejoice in that? How do I give God thanks for that? How do you give God thanks for the hard circumstances? And what are we supposed to learn through it? See, even Gatorade had a commercial this last fall. It uh, was during the football season, and it uh, had J.J. Watt, one of the big players in the NFL. And the part of the Gatorade commercial said, make your rival your fuel. And the point of it was, you need to be have someone in your life who's committed to take you down, to destroy who you are. Because in doing so, you will become so personally obsessed with um, taking over to destroy them that you will, and this is what he says, that you will hate, respect, and then love that rival. Let them fuel your passion so that you become better in life. Now again, I'm not sure we should be taking advice from Gatorade, but it is a thought that we need to be reminded that in all circumstances... We should give thanks. So that's where we find ourselves this morning in Second Thessalonians chapter two, starting at verse thirteen through fifteen. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, for your brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we begin, come to your word, it is your word to us. And so, Lord, you've given it to us for a purpose. You've given it to us to drive us to you. And to know you better. So, Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would come, that you would allow him to come in abundance. Lord, that he would minister to us your word to our souls. So give us eyes to see and hearts to understand. And then to be able to apply the truths to our lives and tell others about the gospel message. So, Father, do you come and meet us, meet us through the power of the Spirit this morning. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So the first thing the Apostle Paul does is he reminds the Thessalonians that they are loved by God. Now he does this because I think this is true, that suffering makes us forgetful. See, suffering is universal, but suffering becomes extremely personal when it hits us. So it's easy to say, it's, it's, we're sorry that the things are happening with the locusts over in Africa but that really doesn't affect me. I can be sorry about those people who have died from the coronavirus, but it really doesn't impact me until something does. And when something hard hits our, our situations, whether it's divorce, it could be a sickness, someone who goes to prison, a loss in our lives, that's when it becomes extremely personal. And when it becomes extremely personal, what happens is a lot of times we have critical voices that enter into our minds and we begin to question other people. We begin to finger point at other people and say, this is your fault. This is why this has happened. We begin to name call. We begin to make accusations. We begin to think of saying, nobody understands. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody cares. It's easy. It's easy. Because suffering makes us forgetful of the truths that are around us. And so what happens is we begin to ask questions like, where is God? Where is God in this? Where is God when an infant dies? Where is God when the locusts devour countries of their food? Where sicknesses start to devastate thousands upon thousands of people? Where is God? And so when we begin to ask that question, the reality is we should ask, who is God? Not where, but who? Because the reality is God is revealing himself in the suffering. It's where we get to know him. See, God is the comfort that we seek in our suffering. We learn this from Job, Job 42, 5 through 6. And this is after Job has lost everything and his friends have come and they're talking to him. And he says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now, but now after the suffering, my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. See, after all of the suffering, Job goes to God and he says, I I knew of you, but I didn't know you. And now that I know you, I know that you have changed me. And as he changes Job, he extends that mercy to others. Just like he does with us. God uses our pain. God uses our suffering to minister to those around us but also to bring glory to God. So in the midst of that, then what Paul does is he gives to them a gentle instruction. Now, it's real easy. And I know, as because uh, I still have that football coach in me, and I know sometimes there are people in here who go, don't talk to us like we're your, your kids on the football field. Okay? Because I know my first reaction is, you know, it would have been very easy for Paul to say, I've already told you. I've written you. You're having, God hasn't come back yet. Jesus isn't back. Suck it up. Yeah, life's hard. Suck it up. But That's not what the people needed to hear, was it? So he comes with gentle instruction. And what he wants to do is he wants to, them to remember the truth. And so he speaks truth to them. Now again, truth isn't always happiness. And remember, the Apostle Paul has said, hey, things that you're going through, they're bad. You are going through suffering. You are going through affliction. But I'm going to tell you, things are going to get worse. They're not going to get better for you. That's not what you want to hear. But we have to hear the truth. That again, there's going to be famine. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be earthquakes. There are going to be wars. These things have to happen Why? In order for God to come back. So he brings them and he brings to us encouragement. And he says in the midst of all the hardships, in the midst of all the trials, stand firm. Why? Because you have been given a perfect love. He says them very specifically, you are beloved by God. Not just, not just what we saw earlier when, um, Palmer was, Mike Palmer was reading to us out of the Psalms. They're, they're not man made idols. We go to the Living God, and this Living God says, You are beloved by me. And it's a, a love that we can experience, not just talk about, but we can experience a love. We can grow in that love. No matter the circumstances that we find ourselves, look at Ephesians 3, um, verses 14 through 21. You can actually turn there or you can listen but write this down for this reason i bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's saying take time and know how much you are loved because if you took the time, you cannot surpass the breadth or the length, height or depth to know the love that God has given to you remember the songs we sing if we were to to have the ocean blue as an ink we could never stop writing about how great God's love is for us we'd run out of it and that's what Paul's saying you are so loved by God and it's a perfect love and he reminds them don't just don't just think about it no love And so he tells him to go through the unconditional love of God in regards to its everlasting. And it's unconditional. It's unchanging. And that's a thing that we grasp and we hold to. Why? Because we waffle. My son cleans up his room, does his chores. Hey, yeah, you sure, you can watch You can play some Fortnite. Yeah, I'll get you a little gift card for weird things that you do on the Xbox and stuff like that. He lets his room go a few weeks. He complains to his mom. He goes outside. Instead of putting the uh, recycling in the bin, it falls all over the ground and then he leaves it. You're not getting any Fortnite time. See, we waffle. We change. God doesn't. Perfect. Perfect. Unchanging, so you can never do anything to earn more of his love, nor can you do anything to lose his love. And so the apostle Paul is saying, live there in the midst of suffering and pain. then what he does is he wants them to go further, and he gives them some doctrinal truths, things to stand on it. Their doctrine does matter because listen, we live in a day where they people just say it's, it's okay to be just spiritual. And it really doesn't matter what you believe, just be sincere. That's a bunch of hooey. That doesn't make sense. Because the reality is if we're honest, the things that we do with religion is we make it more about us. Well, I don't like the rules that it says in the Bible, so you know what? I'm going to rip those out. I'm going to be a one a one verse Christian. And I'm going to pick out the verse that makes me the most happy. That makes the most sense to me. And what happens, as we've seen in Psalm 115, we begin to worship the creation more than the creator. It's all within Satan's plans. Hey, God doesn't, he's not really telling you the truth. So we have to go back to the truths that God has given to us. And the truths that God has given to us is one about the father. Now, if you see, in, if you have an ESV in your Bibles, it uses the word um, in verse 13, because God chose you as a first fruits to be saved. Now, I think the ESV gets it wrong. Now, it can be translated that way, but I believe that the other translations, whether you have the King James or the NIV, get it right, and I think it should be from the beginning. God has chosen you from the beginning, now, again, we have to make sure that we understand in regard to this from Ephesians 1, 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before it, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So God, God's not looking down, seeing if you're good enough. You can't be. You cannot be good enough. But you can also not be so bad that God doesn't redeem you. It's God who moves and he does it before the foundation of the world. Now do we understand that? No. But we rest in it knowing that if you are a Christian and you're responding in love and you're wanting the things that Christ wants, then again he has chosen you before the foundation of the world. And listen, God saves sinners. Him. He's the one who does it. And so he not only gives us the ends, but he gives us the means. And we're part of that. That's part of our kids taking their friends to, to City Fest. Is City Fest the thing that's going to change those friends? No. It's God. But God might use City Fest in one of those kids' lives. And so we cry out to him because he is the one who saves. He is the one who starts election and he's the one who fulfills it well how does he do that well he does it through the son who becomes that one perfect sacrifice and because we couldn't earn god's love because we couldn't live a perfect life he does and when he gives himself upon the cross and pays for our sin listen he does a couple of things he saves us from sin he saves us from death and he saves us from hell but he doesn't stop there he saves us unto something and he saves us unto good works so again we we live by the spirit we have love joy peace patience kindness goodness self-control so we're able to love one another forgive one another and why do we do that so that god might receive all the glory again if you're not asking the question over and over and over again god are you going to be glorified by what i'm doing right now then you should change how you're thinking and it doesn't mean that it's not hard listen every time i take out a, a cart and they, you take them out and you put your groceries away or you take your stuff from it's usually christine to do the grocery so okay i'll be honest so whether i go to lowe's or home depot and i'm putting i'm taking bags of rocks and taking bags of mulch and and beams of, of wood and I'm putting it into the van and stuff like that and you get done after taking all that stuff and putting it in the van and where do you want to put that cart? Right in front of where you're parked. Now be honest. So why do I take my cart to the cart return section? Because I'm always thinking what's the most glorifying thing to God? My heart is to keep it as close to the car as possible especially if it's raining but what's the most cool refined thing how is God most honored by what I'm doing because that becomes the thing that I desire most as Jesus keeps changing me and then we have the Holy Spirit who moves because again in regeneration the problem is again for us as people we don't seek God we don't we're content in our sin and so God is the one who comes and gives us the inward call. And it becomes what's known as the effectual call. And so when the effectual call comes and we start having that a desire, we start to grow in our sanctification. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 15 through 29. And you could have the whole chapter of Romans 6. It's a great chapter. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? But now that you have been set free from sin, have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You could read the whole chapter of six. You guys, I know we're small as a, as a congregation this morning. And I know we tend to be Presbyterian and stuff like that, but your leg should be moving a little bit. You should be shaking a little bit. Yes! We are free to grow in sanctification. And so the Apostle Paul is saying this to them. Thessalonians, remember you're beloved by God. And so no matter the circumstances you find yourself, no matter the afflictions that you go through, can ever separate you from the heavenly Father, who chose you before the foundations of the world, gave his Son for you, and now it gives you the Holy Spirit to live unto sanctification. And then he gives them an exhortation at the end, verse 15. he says this: "Stand firm. Stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. See, here's the reality. We are told to stand firm, but we're told to stand firm because of why? Because we have victory in Jesus. He's won. Romans 8, 39. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe it? Do you remember a few weeks ago when we talked about the guy who was in prison cleaning latrines, had given up hope, and what does God do? He gives him the word. From an officer wiping his backside with it. To encourage this man in prison. There's no place we can go. There's no situation we can encounter that he's not there. And he loves you in the midst of the pain. In the midst of the suffering. In the midst of the hard times. And he understands more than anyone because he gave his son. And he understands. And he allows you to cry out. But he says make No mistake, you are within the victory of Jesus Christ and we will one day be with him. But pastor, it's hard. He said it's going to be hard. He said it's going to be hard. But he gives to you the power of the Holy Spirit and it's in you. Remember 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Now listen. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Tattoo this on your body if you have to. We have to remember greater is the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection Holy Spirit that comes to Christ and brings him back from the dead is what you have you don't have a little spirit you don't have a part of the spirit you have the holy spirit and he lives within you and he's greater than anything we encounter and so the father through the apostle paul tells them so hang tight stand firm and hand tight hang tight to the to the truths of the scripture and again we understand that they didn't have the full canon you do you've got the full bible now and he tells us everything that we need to know and he says hold tight to it which means we need to know the word of god and we need to apply the word of god so we need to look at our situations and so we know how to do it and then what he does is he says hold tight now, I'm going to give you a story. It's a, it's a guy named Henry Dempsey. And I don't know if you remember this, but this was back in 1987. And Henry Dempsey uh, was in his midlife, and he um, was flying on a plane. Okay? And so what happens is it says, Dempsey suffered minor cuts and bruises after clinging to the door railings and hanging partially out of a Beechcraft 99 prod as The plane traveled at 109 miles per hour above 4,000 feet above the ground. Okay, so this is what happens. Dempsey was piloting the 15-seat Beechcraft with no passengers on board from Lewiston, Maine to Boston. Then he hears a rattle in the back of the plane. So the twin-engine commuter plane was being flown to take a flight out of Boston. So what he does is he walks and goes checks on the noise the aircraft hits turbulence he leans against the stairway door the door which is hinged at the bottom falls open and Dempsey is partially sucked out of the plane now the co-pilot who spots the door ajar indicator light on he begins to assume the worst because he did not know what the situation was other than the captain did not return and the door was ajar so one of the inspectors said the co-pilot believed Dempsey had fallen completely out of the aircraft into the Atlantic Ocean. And so he radioed the Portland International Jet Port control tower for help. He then changed his course, flying to the airport, which was about 10 minutes away. As the plane landed, Dempsey's face was 12 inches above the r- runway. Now listen to this. Here's the point. His hands were clenched so tightly to the outside of the aircraft. That they literally had to be pried off. My question to you in application, do we hold that tightly to the word of God? That they would have to pry our hands off of it. Because this is where we find truth. This is where you find hope. This is where we know, and we have to read and memorize it. We have to stand against the false teaching. So when things come, we know what truth is. and We're not wavered. We won't believe the Antichrist, because we know the word. We know the word in the midst of our circumstances, no matter how bad they get. One of the, one of the things that I love about walking into hard situations in hospitals is to read the word and watch how people respond cares of the world just fall away why because of the ministry of the holy spirit through the word of god to his people so we need to know it in the midst of our circumstances and he tells us tell everyone else share so are you giving thanks in all situations not just the good ones but are you giving god thanks in all situations do you remember that you are beloved by God? Before the foundation of the world, He knew you and loved you and gave you His Son and empowers you with the Holy Spirit. If you know those things, then stand firm and hold tight to the truths that He teaches you. Allow Him to change you. And as He changes you, watch how He changes the world. Because remember, He wins. He wins. So, no matter how bleak and dark it gets, God is always in control. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, these truths of the Scripture need to make deep roots into our hearts because, Father, we, like the beginning of the service, know that we can become forgetful in the midst of suffering. And we forget that you care, we forget that the church cares, we forget that there are people around us who recognize when we're gone, who understand what it means to to go through trials and tribulations. So Father, we appreciate that, but Lord, more than that, more than the people we see, more than the people who text or email or call. We have a heavenly father and a son and a Holy Spirit who so perfectly love us that before we were even a thought, they knew us and they loved us with a perfect love, knowing that we are going to go through hard times, but you gave us your word and your promises and your power. And they are right and forever true. And so, Father, let us cling truly to the truths that you've given to us. Apply them. And then go tell others of the good news of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we do pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.